Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. July 29th, 2020. A transcontinental phone call, swimming with a meat cutter, drinking bouillon, and a mess of other things. This is awesome today. Awesome Today is a mostly daily show about stuff that might be awesome. Don't overcomplicate it. It's barely edited and sometimes offensive. Enjoy it and have an awesome today. Would you? Well, howdy there. Behold. Oh, gosh. We went different directions. Different. I went Western. Yeah. You were what? Middle English? Something. Renaissance Fair. Uh, medieval English. I medieval say. English. Yeah. Is that Renaissance Fair? It's going to be Renaissance era. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. yeah. I don't know my histories. <laughs> anyway, hi, and how are you? I'm I'm doing pretty good. Good. I'm doing pretty good yourself. Okay. How was your day? It's been, today and yesterday have been completely busy. Just okay. nonstop. I mean, most days are busy, but these past few days have been especially busy. So I've been looking forward to sitting down, drinking a little cup of coffee, talking about some stuff with you. And stuff we have. Stuff we have. You know, yesterday, it was there were so many things that were just like, well, I mean, I guess that's not bad. It's something I would bring up, but not very enthusiastically. And then today, it's like we we fell into the cornucopia of fantastical things. There's not that many, I guess. There's a few that have a lot of details. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. So welcome to the July 29th episode of Awesome Today. I don't know any event that that's close to, other than that there ain't a whole lot of July left. I know it. It's crazy. Although we still have somewhere within a three-block radius people that set off a firework or two every oh my night. Gosh. So Gotta use up the stash. Let the Independence Day continue. I guess. Well, 1914, uh -huh. I will have you know. Okay. It's the first transcontinental telephone service 
was inaugurated when two people had a conversation, one of them in New York, New York, the other one in San Fran. It was all the way across the continent. Trans. They were not. Continental. Yes. As it were. They were not messing around when they called it transcontinental telephone service. I'm a little disappointed that each of them did not have their feet in opposing oceans. That would have been oh, a real a gosh. real media event to celebrate. They missed the boat, as it were. As that, it were. Yeah, they missed a real opportunity to They settled that. for the floaties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the things that kids wear, right? Not yeah. the, not, yeah. Okay, <clears throat> right on. Well, with the water theme in mind, moving ahead to 1940, John Sigmund of St. Louis, Missouri, completed a 292-mile swim down the Mississippi River from St. Louis to Carothersville. That's a long ways. That is. It took 89 hours and 48 minutes. So let's just call it, well, I mean, I'm sure he wants all extra 12 seconds shaved off, but it's a 90-hour it's a event. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, they had the precision... No. Of, well, maybe they did. I don't know. 1940 wasn't yeah, that long ago. Yeah, they probably had. It was mechanical. It wasn't yeah. digital. Right, 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 right. So, right. Sure. I don't know. They sure, probably sure. didn't have to wind it up. Maybe they did. I don't know. I wasn't there. No. I wasn't there. But I am enjoying some coffee today. I I can't wrap my mind around this. 90 hours of continuous, continuous. swimming? Continuous. I and that's, even... that's worthy of note because there have been a very small number of people who have gone further distances, but they've done it in segments, like 10 hours of swimming and then... Which is not nothing, okay? Still for suckers compared to what big boy John pulled off here. Goodness gracious. So you would would assume, you know, oh, well, he he must have been an Olympian. Uh, No, no. He was notably a, a pretty good high school football player. And beyond that, he was a husband, a father of two, and a meat cutter by profession. Okay. Pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, his wife, well, backing up, he, he put on, uh, and I don't know how he came up with the math for this. These were literally old newspaper clippings that I, I had found oh on gosh. this. Oh, my gosh. Wow. pasted onto a PDF. Nice. He, uh, he had assumed somehow, some way that he would lose between 40 and 50 pounds, which is kind of insane to think about. 40 to uh, 50 pounds in a matter of days. Oh, right, 90 hours. Yeah. So he put on... Purposely put on 30 pounds before he started the journey down the river. Uh, during the swim, his wife was in charge. I think all along, maybe she'd been in charge of uh, nutrition and diet and whatnot. But during the swim, she and several others were in a boat that followed along. And when it was time for him to eat, they would pull up alongside of him and he ate bouillon and chocolate. Oh which gosh. sounds like a, a real gastrointestinal treat, but I guess, hey, you're in the water. Who's going to know? Yeah. I mean, I guess you'd, <laughs> well, <laughs> look, I don't, I wasn't planning on going into bathroom mechanics, but well, if you're going to be. happens in 90 hours, you're, yes. you're going to have to do so, the things. So if you're going to be swimming continuously, you're in the water. I mean, the peeing part is going to take care of itself for sure, but I guess you would want liquid release valve. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let it flow. Let it flow. I don't want to have to stop my arm strokes to bear down on one. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It'd be, it would be, yeah, it would be a 
problem, a mess of sorts to try to take care of, or else it's just going right. to fill up in your swim trucks. Or if it got out, what if you swam at the same pace it floated? <laughs> then you're just like hours of like, die. This is a filthy trip. I hate it. Old Man River. Gonna carry that poop down the stream. <laughs> oh, you should have sung it. Oh, uh, no thanks. Old Man River. I have a question mark about whether or not that song is racist. It feels like it could be. It probably is. <laughs> so if I'm not going to sing it. If it wasn't, it will be soon. Yes. Everything is now. Okay. All right. Well, take us away here. Okay. Buckle up and settle in. This is a lot. Pour a cup, coffee, glass of wine. I would not get a cup full of Mississippi River water. <laughs> please don't. <laughs> Actually, more appropriately, please pour yourself a glass of tea. Not glass. That's what we drink here. A cup of tea. A cup of tea. Because we're about to get British. British. Well, I suppose, though, in the theme of the last topic, they're welcome to have a big old mug of cold bouillon. <laughs> Have you ever drank bouillon? Yes. Have you ever? As a kid. Yep. Yeah. Thought, oh, what are these little mm -hmm. chocolate mothers hiding from me in the uh, pantry yeah. and bitten into one? And it's like, a, it's so salty, your mouth yes. turns inside out. It's like, was that an antiperspirant cube? What <laughs> I'm did I... so glad that I'm not alone in this <sighs> experience. Yep. I remember it, it's a roller coaster. You go from the delight of like, Mom hid these. They must be very good. They were in the pantry. Why would anyone keep candy in the pantry? And so you're on a high and then you unwrap it and you bite into it. And it's not only not chocolate, it is like, it's like pure sodium, like right. chicken flavored intense sodium. Or beef. Or beef. Or beef-like. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And then you're plummeting down to depths and you're sad and you're trying to rinse your mouth out and... And you don't want to tell your mother what you did also. I one time tried to use a bag of tea, like a chaw of tobacco. <laughs> that did not work well either. <laughs> you would never tell me that story. I just thought of it when we were talking about exploring the cupboards. And like, hmm, what's this do? Yeah, not good. Not good. Okay. Well, speaking of tea, again, so... Uh, here we go. 1954, J.R.R. Tolkien publishes Fellowship of the Ring. It's the first volume of Lord of the Rings. Raise your hand if you're sitting here listening, if you've read any of the installments of the Lord of the Rings series. Okay. You haven't. I wow. have not. Have you even watched one of the movies to completion? Not to completion. Mm. I love the beginning of the Fellowship of the Rings movie. I love it. And as much as I've watched of it, I loved every minute. But I can only make it about 30 minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that is where we're placing ourselves in time. But you began to do a little digging on uh, Mr. Tolkien, and he really did have a fascinating life. Yes. And yes, you yes. have to think about, for somebody who wrote this completely epic story for the ages, that there has... Well, in, in I mean, he created a whole yes, mythology and you know, far beyond just this series. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I was going to talk about here in a minute. Let's. Oh, I wanna, it's okay. I, Forget what I just said. We'll get there. Because... He only wrote the one book? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Listen, he was born in uh, 1892 in modern-day South Africa. Mm-hmm. His parents were living there. His dad was a, like, sort of, let's just call him, like, a bank 
branch manager and they said probably a little bigger time I mean, a little bigger bank you know there weren't so many banks and branch managers back then right so they had sent him to south africa to manage that office um when he was three well first of all before before this happened did you know that he was bitten by a baboon spider when he was a toddler i saw that i didn't know it before i saw that yeah i was like baboon spider question mark looked it's a full tarantula nice it is um that that certainly would have to feed into I mean, when, when when you read any of his stuff when you watch any of the movies that have been very well done yeah the imagination yes that this man has is just it's it's breathtaking it's astounding it's beautiful Mm -hmm. magnificent all of the good adjectives and maybe even an adverb or two yeah absolutely okay so when he was three he and his mother and brother hillary were traveling on the continent in europe and his father suddenly passed away Mm -hmm. and so he was left with his mother and brother they um kind of went home to her parents' house in England, where she had grown up. When he was eight, his mother was received into the Roman Catholic Church, a convert like you and I. Yes, indeed. Um, Now, her Baptist family, very, very opposed to this. In fact, completely cut off all the monies to her. I was reading this and I was like, there's Baptists in England? I, you know, get my mind fixed on Baptists being a certain kind of... Christian in a certain part of the world, I was very shocked. But of course, Baptists, especially in the 1800s, on into the 1900s, they did a lot of mission work, sending out those missionaries into the mission field to convert all the people to the right way to Jesus. Were they on a mission and perhaps wishing that someone could cure their lonely condition? Nope. Okay. That's that a came different, later. That, that comes later. later. Okay. Yes. Different mission. Uh-huh. Different okay. mission. That's right. Hopefully we hit that one day. <laughs> Okay, so, um, yes, yeah, so she becomes Catholic. Her children, um, uh, was it Ronald that he goes by? Of all of his names. He's John Ronald Roll Tolkien. He goes by Ronald. I believe that's correct. You know how I am with names, though. Yes. Um, Ronald and Hillary, his brother, were also received into the church at that time. Um, so then later, when he was only 12 years old, his mother dies of diabetes. Mm-hmm. She was only 34 and that was just about as long as you could expect to live. Like that was on the upper end of living if you were born with type 1 diabetes. Um, insulin and insulin treatment for diabetes would not be invented for two more decades. Right, right, right. So here is young Ronald and Hillary. She, yes. Can I interject something? You want to talk about diabetes? Yes. <laughs> Although I prefer to call it diabetes. Of course, yes. As my good friend Wilfred mm-hmm. Brimley has taught me on yes. commercial television. Yeah. Um, now, so there's there's a few there's a few quotes in here directly from him. Yes. One, I assumed I assumed you wouldn't want this topic because some of them are a little bit tear bringing. They all are. Will you read it? Do you? I will. Do you know where these come from? I would guess his letters and writings. Letters that he wrote to his kids. Oh, now I'm going to cry. Yeah, well, I figured I'd help it along. Just get the <laughs> get the, tears get the tear wagon rolling. <laughs> Roll those chains. They are very touching, though. Um, okay. He, he wrote this about his mother. My own dear mother was a martyr indeed. And, is, and it is not to everybody that God grants so easy a way to his great gifts as he did to Hillary and myself 
giving us a mother who killed herself with labor and trouble to ensure us keeping the faith. Absolutely. Yes. I almost want to be a mom just so somebody would say that about me. That's pretty strong. (laughs) That is very invigorating and inspiring to think about as parents, for sure. So devoted was she to her children being raised in the faith that she entrusted their guardianship to Father, um, Father Francis Xavier Morgan whom she wanted to raise the boys as, quote-unquote, good Catholics. Yes. Now, I think this is so interesting because we're going to run into some more anti-Catholicism bigotry here in a minute. It's hard for, I think it's hard for us in 2020 Mm -hmm. to really be able to think about, like, the true anti-Catholic sentiment, especially in a country like England, where not only do we have, like, even pre-formal private Protestant uh, Reformation. No, wait, that's not what it's called. Is it? Yeah, Reformation. What? What are you talking about? You lost me. Is Martin Luther, is that the Reformation? Yes, though I prefer to call it the revolt. (laughs) See, that's the thing. When you're Catholic for a while, you start hearing Catholic teachers talk about it and use a different language. And then I was like, wait, wait. Right. It's it's the same phenomenon as who is technically behind... The Iron Curtain. Right. It's which yes. side you're standing exactly. on. Exactly. So Catholics would say, well, it's a revolt. You didn't reform a damn thing. You just left. Yes. And you started and made up a bunch of stuff. Yes. Protestants would say, well, we reformed from whatever, whatever thing. We've been on both sides of right. this Iron Curtain. And so we know. Yeah. This Iron Curtain. I get, my lady brain gets confused about what to call it. Anyway, in England... So the uh, King Henry VIII split and then the formation of the Church of England and Anglicanism um, was not a peaceful transfer. I mean, you have back and forth, whoever's on the throne, many people, many Anglicans, many Catholics died. Yes, much, much martyrdom. Much martyrdom, much blood spilled. So don't don't overlook. I mean, this same era of, Mm -hmm. of his life. Yeah. There was still very severe anti-Catholicism here. Yes. The, everybody recognizes the Ku Klux Klan as being a racially driven group, but they also persecuted the crap out of Jews and Catholics That's as true. well. That is true. Yeah. And it wasn't until JFK, who was a Catholic, gained the presidency that things began to turn the tide a bit. Mm-hmm. The, the fear-mongering at that point and the assumption that he would be a puppet president for the Pope and just all kinds of insanity. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm not surprised. I'm actually mm-hmm. surprised it wasn't worse than his her own family kicked her out, didn't give her any money. We have mm-hmm. issues, right? Exactly. So here's Father Francis trying to uh, raise these two young men who are now orphans. Mm -hmm. And again, we talk about this man who was brilliant. He was not only an excellent writer, but really a brilliant academian. He spent a long time working at the Oxford English Dictionary. And a painter. But yes, tell that part because that's awesome. Well, yeah. I mean, I I, just that he worked there um, doing working on history and etymology of words which I find to be fascinating. For the for words beginning with the letter W. Oh, I didn't even know. From Germanic. Oh, yes, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but we you know, we think about the hardships that people face in life and here you we have this young man who was orphaned so early in life and then everything that he was able to go on and press through these challenges. I don't mm-hmm. know, it's very inspiring. But when he's 16, 
He meets the love of his very life. Her name is Edith Mary Bratt. I mean, he is like 100% all in after yes. he meets her. However, yes. his guardian, Father Francis, is concerned. She's Protestant. Yeah, she's Anglican. He's Well, not Protestant, I guess. Yeah, just not Catholic. Right. Uh, concerned that she will lead him away from the faith. Mm -hmm. And so he forbade him from having any contact with her until he was 21. Like, couldn't write even. No, nothing. not a letter, not a word, not a glance, not a wink in front of the school cafeteria. Not a thing. Nothing. So he goes off to school, and his, he does say that his studies floundered terribly because he was, you know, he, he was 18, but still so smitten by her, couldn't think about anything else. Yeah. Had all of these years stretching ahead of him until he could possibly even contact her again. But on the evening of his 21st birthday... Ronald gets out a pen and paper, writes to her, declares that he has never stopped loving her. And would she please, she, he did the John Kyle thing. Yes. Please, 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 please marry me. Yes. Now, she had recently accepted a proposal from another man. She said she felt like maybe she'd been put on a shelf. I mean, she was 21. She was Past, right, right. Like getting past her prime on the, at this on point. the downhill slide. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but she immediately broke it off, uh, and then they I, heard that family was furious. That too. family was furious again. Here she's falling. She's not only breaking things off with her with their son, but also going to marry a Catholic. Um, Edith does. I noted in the, some of the reading somewhat reluctantly convert to Catholicism. Right. Uh, Outside of that, Edith sounds like you to me. Really? Yes. Well, her family was none too happy about that as well. In fact, I don't think they took it. They evicted them from the yeah. from the home and those types of things. So, so yeah, so we have all of this happening. Again, he was in the military. He served in the military for um, for England and then took up the job at the Oxford English Dictionary. Mm -hmm. um, he also, I thought this was really fascinating. Starting from the time he was a child, he obviously was so profoundly gifted in language. Mm -hmm. It makes total sense mm -hmm. that he worked at the Oxford English Dictionary, but beginning as a child, he and his cousins made up and played around with a um, constructed language. This is what these things right. are called, um, called animalic, that they got tired of that. And then he and one other cousin made up a much more complicated language called nevbash. Well, he, he, yeah. he learned to read yes. at the age of four. Right. Very shortly thereafter could write proficiently. Mm -hmm. So yeah, plainly the man is word gifted. Yes. And then, yeah, just to create yes. languages... He also made up a language of his own called Nafarin. And then he he did learn a language called Esper Esperanto. Esperanto. Have yeah. you heard of this? Yes. I it tickled my brain and I was like, why does this sound familiar? Well, Esperanto, in case you're not a language nerd, <laughs> uh, it's the most widely spoken constructed international auxiliary language. It was invented in uh, 1887 by L.L. Uh, Zaninoff. He was a Polish ophthalmologist who dreamed of a language that could unite the world in world peace. Bless his heart. Wow. Bless his heart. And so he created Esperanto. It is still spoken today. It is a whole completely different auxiliary language that you can learn. I find this to be utterly fascinating. And it's no surprise that Tolkien, with his mind for languages, was like, oh, there is an international? Right. Pretend language, I'll learn that too. I have a curiosity that just 
came to mind as you were discussing his creation of languages. Yeah. So he'd served in World War One. He had been recruited to serve in World War Two as a code breaker. Okay. I don't know. I, there's a lot of information to take in, and I couldn't recall if he actually ended up serving or if they contacted him and were like, you know what, we're good, we don't need you. But just the fact to work within code breaking, then I was wondering, well, these languages he made up, were they, were they some form of deviation from English? Like, and I know this is a terribly simple example, but Pig Latin right. is a rule-based yeah, yeah, yeah. thing off of existing language. And I wonder, because I know nothing about these languages that he's created, if they weren't something like that, if that didn't lend to code yes. breaking in, in a way. Totally. Just this idea of how language is constructed, how it works, mm -hmm. being able to see the patterns of what makes a language and applying that in a situation like being a code breaker. I right. mean, it's incredibly fascinating. Um, so he is considered the father of high fantasy. Yes. So high fantasy being where you have um, either the setting is extraordinarily epic or the characters are considered epic. Um, where are you on fantasy? Are you a fantasy fan? Is it a little... Maybe it's it sometimes depending. It depends. I don't, and I have never really conducted an examination to say which things within it I enjoy and don't. Right. Um, I've enjoyed his movies tremendously, mm -hmm. and then there's other fantasy stuff that's just like no, I don't don't like it. The interesting thing about fantasy is for it to be classified in the genre of fantasy, it has to exist on a world completely and entirely separate from Earth. Okay. So when you are writing fantasy, you are starting from the ground up. We talk about in pop culture when things are not of the realistic reality, day-to-day -day mm -hmm. life on Earth, we talk about universe building. In a sense, that's, that's what we're talking about, that you have to start from the very scratch. Like, right. this, is, this is what this is in explaining. And so... You know, to be able to do that in a way that's believable, that's consistent, to know the rules of the world you've created and to create characters who live in and act uh, realistically within the world you've created, that mm -hmm. is no small task, I think. And fascinating that in order to do so, obviously, he modeled this around the Christian view of, yes. of world and creation and all the things. Absolutely. There's so many correlations. It's stunning. Absolutely. And so, in the, I mean, he is the father of high fantasies. Also, an example of what many, um, you know, religious writers have been able to do through the years, mm -hmm. which is to say, create something that is based on and reflective of their personal faith right. without being didactic, without being right. like... Here is here. I'm going to tell you the story of Jesus in this very poorly disguised way. Right. You know. Right. Um, wink, wink. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, does it surprise you to know he was good friends with C.S. Lewis? I was going to say, of course, we have C.S. Lewis yeah. doing this with Narnia. You know, on the flip side of it, the, those are fantasy pieces. On the flip side of it, you have someone like Flannery O'Connor, who is a Catholic writer, who wrote fiction but not fantasy, wrote really brutal fiction. Mm -hmm. People always die. There's a lot of blood. There's a lot of horror, um, in a sense. Again, not slasher movie horror, but tension and pain and death. But she was writing about, in a way, 
her Catholic faith fueled what she wrote about because there's always these threads of grace mm-hmm. and forgiveness and redemption, even in the midst of these really disturbing and upsetting stories. And so, yeah, it's not always like, sometimes it's Narnia and it's um, Middle Earth. Is that Tolkien's world? Middle Earth, yes. yes I believe. <laughs> I'm so bad Something. at the actual yeah. works. Well, it's each movie is like a 12-hour, and it's like floating down the Mississippi for 90 hours, you're just in there drinking bouillon and eating chocolate, trying not to crap the bed, get through the movie. It's long. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. <laughs> it's really long. It's really long, and the bouillon and the chocolate bars do not help. Right? They do not. I don't know how many clean pairs of sheets you guys got, but we don't have that many. <laughs> Okay, I feel like I've gone on and on about this too much. Let's um, let's just say that when after he retired from 1959 till his death in 1973, he was growing increasingly more and more popular, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that really is sort of this the the 50s, 60s, 70s, such a golden age of fantasy and of the revival of this. Um, of this genre. Um, He had a love-hate relationship with that fame. He said that even the nose of a very modest idol cannot remain entirely untickled by the sweet smell of incense. Indeed. Indeed. maybe no matter how much he tried to remain grounded and humble, he's right. You could be a very solid, grounded, humble person, but with that much praise and accolade, it's hard to, uh, to not notice. Now, friends of Ronald and Edith, speaking of the deep affection they had for each other, said it was visible in the small things, the almost absurd degree in which they worried about the other's health and the care in which they chose and wrapped each other's birthday presents. And in the large matters, the way in which Ronald willingly abandoned such a large part of his life in retirement to give Edith the last years that he felt she deserved and the degree in which she showed pride in his fame as an author. Now, Edith did pass away at the age of 82, and then not even two years later, 21 months later, Ronald passed away. They're buried in the same grave. The engravings on their tombstones included a name for for each of them from Tolkien's Middle Earth Legendarium. They were, and the names were like the two, it was the epic love affair of the series. Yeah. Or not series, but story. Uh, yeah, but, uh, the whole yeah. world that he had built, yeah. that he had constructed. So on September 2nd, 2017, the Oxford Oratory, which was Tolkien's home at parish, during, or it was actually his parish when he was in, at Oxford as a student, um, offered its first mass for the intention of Tolkien's cause for be, uh, beatification to be opened. 
So maybe we'll see in our lifetime his path to sainthood in the Catholic Church. Indeed. So anyway, whether or not you're a Catholic or a Christian or whatever you are, um, Tolkien's works have certainly stood the test of time thus far in the greats of storytelling and epic adventure and fantasy and all of those things. So it all started on this day. What was it, 1954? Um, yes. Yeah. You should have my job. I don't do numbers. You just do a lot of numbers in your actual job. It's true. So, yeah, there's only so much you could be expected to remember. All right. All right, I have one more thing, and this is so near and dear to my heart. 1998, Matchbox 20 begins their first headlining tour in New Orleans, Louisiana. Now, their 1996 debut album, Yourself or Someone Like You, is probably my very favorite album from the whole 1990s. Wow. Yeah, it is. Wow. Amazing. I know that album backwards and forwards. 96 was my freshman year of college. Mm -hmm. I had a boombox stereo situation in my dorm room. I had that CD. I played it over and over and over throughout the course of my dormitory life. Did you ever have batteries for the boombox? No, 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 no. I didn't either. It was, uh, it was on that, run on that AC power connection. (laughs) But songs like Real World 3 AM Push. I mean, seriously, I bet if I turned that CD on today, I could still, like, somewhere in the yeah, yeah. recesses of my memory, yep. those Matchbox 20 lyrics would Probably have some choreography, <laughs> glee fingers, or whatever they call that, yeah. Jazz hands. I like glee fingers. Yes, good, good, good. That sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've talked so much. Why don't you take some Okay, of okay. I've got a couple that were fascinating to me for different reasons. So 1999, Mark O. Barton. O, not O. Barton like an Irishman. O being his middle initial. Mark O. Dot Barton. Well, he goes on a killing spree, and that isn't awesome. It takes a little bit of a turn By any means, right? (laughs) It caught my eye because there were some things referencing a financial something thing. Um, But as I was was skimming through stuff, you know, I'd read his name. And then he, his his first wife's maiden name is her is Spivey. His second wife's maiden name is Vandiver. And I'm thinking, and I never found it. I'm thinking this has been done somewhere on a true crime thing. Okay. Because I, the names were just too familiar, and as things unfolded, all the things that he had done, it was like I I remember. I feel like I've heard someone in a narrative voice. Yeah saying these things okay um if somebody finds it or knows what i'm talking about then leave a review for the show Um, (laughs) and just you know threaten to go on a spree or something if people don't like and review or whatever right (laughs) please don't do that okay if you do use don't use your real name i mean come on (laughs) we're smarter than that no what i found that was amazing and this is really why this was included yes murderpedia.org exists in the world it exists are you kidding me yeah it exists it's a hell of a deal murderpedia.org it is a free online encyclopedic dictionary of murderers and the largest database about serial killers and mass murderers around the world this is this is brand new information to me yeah if you're a true crime fan i i just gave you an early christmas present absolutely you sure did and can i tell you something about my evolution with true crime. You think that I should ask for twice the funding spent on this year's Christmas because that gift was so big? Is that what you're going to tell everybody? <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay. Um, okay. 
So a few years ago on Sorta Awesome, our main show, I did an episode about true crime with my friend, Laura Tremaine. She has been a true crime aficionado for decades, literally, since she was like a teenager. I have been really hesitant. I'm like, oh, it's spooky. It's scary. All of this stuff. Okay. Fast forward to present day. I found myself last night. I was trying standing to... over me with a knife in your hand. I was like, saying, I learned that all of that time now. I found myself as I was kind of getting, I was getting sleepy enough to go to sleep. And I was like, I just want to read a little something. I went purposely to one of my favorite subreddits, Unresolved Mysteries, because over there, the there's Redditors who do their own research. They dig and find that maybe they're telling a story of somebody in their family that was murdered, or they just come across a fascinating story from their hometown. But they do these really long write-ups about these crimes that have happened. And I realized, and I was like looking for one to read. And I realized I have gone from being really finding a little bit queasy mm-hmm. about true crime to now I am the person who is reading true crime stories to go to sleep at night. Who even am I? Makes sense. When I was in fourth grade, I decided I would not learn my multiplication tables to the point that I even cheated on a lot of homework. And I was in fourth grade. It wasn't like it was good cheating. I got caught in a lot of trouble. And my dad was like, what the hell, man? And I was like, no, not not doing it. And he insisted. And I learned it. And I go to college. I take every math class the college has to offer. End up in... Yes. A career where I do a lot of math. So, yeah, it makes sense to me. Okay. Thank you for understanding and affirming this. Mm. I, I don't recognize myself, but that does actually, your story helps it make sense. But so murderpedia.org, I'm genuinely surprised. I've never even heard of it. But now, got to go check it out. All right. 2013, and I'll try to go quickly through this um, because I know we're we're starting to run pretty long. Right? <laughs> I had a lot of words. About you had a lot of words. They were good words. I'm glad you had them. 2013, or 2013 in layman's terms, uh, 103 million euros or 136 million U.S. dollars worth of diamonds are stolen from the Carlton Intercontinental Hotel in the French Riviera. That's a lot of ice. Yeah, it is. Isn't that what they call diamonds? I think so. Were you involved in this heist? I was, secretly. In my copious free time, I run jewelry heists. Well, you might be surprised. They'd probably invite you in. (laughs) Uh, Because the the diamonds were on display in a private hotel salon, which I'm assuming is a room. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nobody was in there getting their hair done or any of that. It's a fancy French room. Okay. But no hairdos. No, no, no. Okay. Uh, there There were a lot of weird things about that. It's been called the biggest heist ever in France and possibly the biggest heist of all time. The crime followed recent jail escapes by members of the notorious Pink Panther Jewel Thief Gang. What? Yeah. What? Right? right. Well, yeah. I mean, some the Pink Panther theme plays in the background whenever they're doing their heist work, so it makes them really easy to catch. You know, you say that in jest. It might actually. They they were they were coined this by Interpol okay. because they had in one of the heists uh, they had hidden diamonds inside of uh, well tubs of of cold cream or something, which is something that in, occurred in uh, one of the Pink Panther movies. Oh my gosh! Okay, right? Yeah. And so that's how they get the nickname. Um, Interpol says that this group could be as big as 200 to 250 members from Serbia, Montenegro, Croatia, Macedonia, Bosnia, just 
all over. Um, there is a film documentary based on their thefts. It was released in 2013. It is called Smash and Grab. There's a book about them called Pink Panthers, The Greatest Thieves in the World. Um, they had, and as I said, their name came from, they hid a 500,000 British pound diamond in a jar of face cream, which mimicked a okay. thing from the return of the Pink Panther. Okay. Now, in the space of six years' time, this group is credited with robbing 120 stores in 20 different countries. Dang. The, many of the members are suspected to be former Special Forces members. They are meticulously organized. I, yeah. They are precise and not without some panache. Okay. Oh, look, you used a fancy French word. Yes. Were you, did you learn that? I felt, like, I felt like throwing the pinky out and then, yeah, fluffing my my coiffed <laughs> hair or something. Yeah. I'm all French up in here. Um, while in 2000, so in 2005, they robbed a jewelry for, store for Four jewelry stores, one jewelry store. There was one store yes. inside of this one year of 2005 that they robbed in uh, Saint-Tropez. They were wearing T-shirts emblazoned with flowery designs and then made their escape on a speedboat. Really movie style. Yeah. Um, they're believed to be responsible for a 65 million, you know, that's nothing compared to the other, right? It's like half why yeah. you can brag about that. Yeah. $65 million heist in August of 2009, where they made no effort to hide their faces, causing many to believe that they'd altered their looks with prosthetic makeup, like the mask, the silicone masks used in the Mission Impossible movies. That is fantastic. So I'm, I'm going to probably have to go check out the book or the documentary or something because sure. this is too phenomenal. That is amazing. I mean, yes. I guess if you have enough money from all those heists, it's like, what? why not? Like you've, right? you've like literally, you've bought all the mansions you can buy, all the yachts you can buy, you're bored in the house and you're in the house. Board, Indeed. And you're like, why not? I'm surprised we've not had a Corona themed yeah. theft by them. Exactly. Where they wear the face masks on their chin or something instead of over their nose and mouth. <laughs> And then they arrest all the workers at the local Sam's Club warehouse because that's what they do. <laughs> you did see that in I, real life. I action. see that regularly. Yes. Okay. Watch, read, listen, lifestyle. Okay. We got some for you. Watch anything by Tolkien. Well, the films. Yes. Yeah. You, I mean, you could watch a book, sit there. <laughs> it's not very exciting. It's better than drinking bouillon, eating chocolate, and filling <laughs> your pants, but... It's it's something. Um, we've got the documentary Smash and Grab about the Pink Panthers. Yes. Do you have any other things to watch? Um, no, I can't think of anything new anyway. Okay. What would you read? Well, first of all, if you're me and you're the most underread English major in the history of English majors. You'd read a Tolkien movie? Pick up a damn <laughs> Tolkien novel and read it. Our daughter at age 12 has read more Tolkien than I have. It's true. It's good. We it's, have all well, of them. You you bought the whole set on Kindle for that's her right. to read. It's part of the repeated theme. Just like we've discussed, we want to be just mildly proficient in Spanish and then make sure that our kids are... Yeah, same thing. We just know a little bit about Tolkien. The kids need to know the whole thing, yeah. have their own character in that world, all of it. Also, you could go read something written in Esperanto. Indeed. All right. You should read at murderpedia.org. Don't you worry, I will. And this one, especially for you, my dear. Okay. BuzzFeed has a quiz out right now to help you determine which song you are 
from Taylor Swift's Folklore album. Bingo. I am on it. I know what you're doing as soon as we stop the recording. I would be doing it right now, except for using my phone for recording. It's true. But, yeah, Small graces. It's happening. All right. For things to listen to, we have... I finished the last, uh, the only four, rather, not the last four, but the only four episodes available of Deep Cover, The Drug Wars, which we discussed a little bit yesterday. Okay. Is this a four-part series, or there are only four that have been released? Only four released. Okay. I think. If that's it, then this is like the worst constructed thing I've ever seen. (laughs) I've never... I mean, I've not yet heard of someone doing just a four-part series in, in a podcast drop, so... That would be highly unusual. Right. No, no. There's there's more to come. Um, I'm so torn on this. Wind of Change was so good. I think it raised the bar to an epic level. Right. It's like like you grew up playing parking pickup basketball games with Michael Jordan, and now you got to go watch your kids in Little League. You're like, (laughs) just come on. It's not that bad. But the the bar has been raised so high now. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to think yet. It's not bad. It's mm-hmm. just not like, oh, is there another episode yet? I can't wait. I mean, listen, when we were listening to Wind of Change, you literally couldn't wait to talk about it every day. It because, was phenomenal. And yeah. I, I loved it that much, too. I, but you just had so, it really spoke to you yep. on so many levels. So I can see how now you'd be like, this is fine. Yeah. It's whatever. It's okay. Yeah. I would say go blow the dust off of the cover of your Matchbox 20 yourself or someone like you. Nobody still has that. Somebody does. I'm we surprised don't. we don't. We don't dig through that drawer over there where the CDs go to die. It could be over there. Those CDs have all of our pictures of Daisy from when she was a baby. There were a bunch. Yeah. Um, but go listen to some Matchbox 20. You can find it on the Spotify and all of the places. See if it holds up for you. I know it holds up for me because I still listen to it. Right on. Right on. <laughs> Lifestyle, you've been doing all the, the stink of the day stuff. Do you have anything there? No, I'm, I don't. My very favorite perfume house is dropping their summer collection tonight. So I'm going to make an order. Okay. Summer's but almost over. I know. Here's the thing. I'm confused about this. It's, it is the end of July, but this perfumery, they, kind of, they just live in their own world. Maybe it's like... They're on the uh, COVID calendar. That too. I'm sure that uh, that actually plays a big role in their production times right now. Anyway, I'll be putting in an order. I'll have some new ones, but I got nothing new for you today. Okay. Well, I have a stink of the day. Okay. It is called Sartorial by the Perfumery Penhaligans, I yeah. think is how you say it. Yeah. Um, it is a classic men's barbershop scent. It is neroli, citrus, lavender, leather, patchouli, cedarwood, musk, and amber. Mm-hmm. It is not cheap, but I think it's worth it. You smell great. It's very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, it is very similar in many ways to Panade Clubman, okay. which is super cheap. Mm-hmm. This is a super, super old school barbershop right. aftershave cologne thing. Yeah. Uh, but they're classic scents. You, you get... You get the citrus, the cedar, the musk, and a, and a little bit of vanilla in there. It's just really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I would recommend this. Not that a woman couldn't wear it, but oh, yeah. if a, if a lady is trying to figure out a gift for a special or not so special man in their life, maybe well, tell us the price points on these two. Oh gosh, so Panade Club Man is like. 
10 bucks for a freaking moonshine jug full of it. <laughs> Wait, you can, and can you find it like at a drugstore? You can, or? honestly, a lot of Walmarts carry it. Oh, really? Drug stores, Amazon's okay. probably got 50,000 stores selling it. It okay. is widely available. It's been around for Yeah, I, I feel like my grandpa even wore it. Mm -hmm. Worn it. What the heck? Probably did. Wore it. I, my dad wore it or yeah. something very similar to it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and as far as perfumes or colognes or whatever go, that that's the place to start. Yeah. Because everybody's skin chemistry is going to behave differently. It is one that I at least think smells very good on me. Mm -hmm. But if you want to test this, buy the cheapo. Yeah. Try it out. If you like it, you'll probably, or whoever it's for likes it, will love the sartorial if you want to get that. But you're for a small bottle of that, pretty small bottle, you're at least 50, 60 bucks. For a, a little bit bigger bottle in a hurry, you can get into the 160 to 200 range. Okay. Um, yeah. It isn't cheap. You want to make sure that you like, I guess they probably do samplers yeah. and stuff from that perfume house. So sure. that's available too. Well, sure, that's sure. everything I've got. Okay. I, I can't think of another thing. We okay. covered a lot of ground Pretty today. much did like a whole week's worth of episodes in one episode. I know. All right. Well, have an awesome today, would you? Please do. Bye-bye. If you're going to drink bullion and eat chocolate while you swim, you could find yourself in a real mess. Kyle made me say that. His sense of humor is apparently trapped in junior high. Find Awesome Today and Sorta Awesome Media on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and literally everywhere podcasts are found. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>